All right, Justin, sing me the song that I'm currently thinking about in my head. Man, uh, <laughs> let's see. What could you possibly be thinking about? I will tell you this. We are the Titans. No. The mighty, mighty Titans. There's my best one. No, that was rude. I, I'm going to give you a hint. I'm going to give you a second try and a hint. The song's origin is not from the United States. Hmm. I'll even go further because you're not going to get it. It is from the United Kingdom or Great Britain or England, if any of that helps. Uh, brum, 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 I don't know. No. <laughs> Damn it. All right, Heather, your turn. Um, this is hard. I don't know. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, man, I, I'm blanking. I got nothing. I was thinking of Vossy Bop by Stormzy. Oh, oh, okay. I've just been on a big grime kick lately. So that's what I've been listening to a lot of. And that's one of my favorites right now. What's it called? Vossy Bop. Okay. By Stormzy. So both of you take a loss. Boo. I mean, I told you this was going to be hard. I was actually saving that one for the next episode with Justin. And unfortunately, since Justin couldn't record last week, I couldn't ask that. So this is the one I've been saving. Funny thing is, is last week it would have been a different song, but that is the one for today. Mm. <laughs> no. So there you go, Justin. Do you feel good right now? My record is worse. We know. So on that note, I'll cue our theme song. Hey, Santa fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Semislayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And today, we will be talking about the HBO series, Lovecraft Country. We'll talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with that TV series. And we will do non-spoilers, uh, recommendations, and scores, and then go into a more spoiler-centric section. With time codes in the description to help you navigate how you feel. And with that, we will start this episode with Heather. So, Heather, what did you or what are your thoughts on Lovecraft Country? Well, um, so I had heard a lot of things about this show and um, I didn't I didn't start watching it when it first came out because I didn't know what it was when it first came out and then you know week one week two and people are like this show's amazing all these things and so it's like okay i want to see what it's about um so you know and then you just hear the people that are behind making this movie and then you hear about the people that are in this movie and you're just like yeah it seems like it's a good recipe you know so i was like okay i'll give it a shot and i'm really glad i did because i think it's a super creative show um, super creative storytelling, very intricate stories that are interwoven together. It takes a very imaginative and creative person or group of people to come up with this show. And I, I just really respect the craft of what they did with this. Um, I mean, there's, there's 
everything in it. I mean, you get like the love stories, you have action, you have science fiction, you know, you have drama, you have everything and you have an amazing soundtrack that comes from like every genre and era of music. And it just, everything they did to pull the show together, I think really, really worked. I mean, it just because of how unique the story is, it had potential to get messy. You know, I, I mean, I don't think it's a perfect show by any means, but I think it had potential to be a lot messier than it was with all the elements they tried to put in this, but they, they really pulled it off quite well. And it was a very entertaining show. I mean, you've got all the symbolism of, of many different things in it. You just, I mean, the, the acting is top notch, you know, the, the chemistry and the dynamics between the characters is so great. I mean, there's not really, there's, there's not a whole lot to really not like about this. I mean, there's, there's some places where I feel like they get a little bit too, I don't know if I want to say off track or what, but I know we'll discuss it. And, um, but yeah, I mean, just everything they do to pull the show together is so well done and it's just, it's really one of a kind. It's very unique. I've never seen anything like it. You know, um, it's just very, it's very much something that you, you just have to see to believe everything that happens and how well they pull this off. You know, you can, you try to explain it to people and it's going to sound crazy or it's going to sound like that's hard to follow or whatever, you know, I mean, you definitely, it, it is a show where you have to pay attention to what's going on. Um, but it's, it's just, honestly, it's really good. I mean, it's probably one of the most creative shows that I've seen um, in, a, in a long time. So I, I really enjoyed it. Justin, what about you? Okay. So, um, and kind of similar to Heather, I had heard a lot about this show um, initially when it started streaming on HBO Max and I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know that it was based on a on a novel that had already come out that had already had come out and everything like that back in 2016. So I, I just had no background of this go, going into it at all. The only thing that I had heard is I had just heard from people that it was really good. I'd seen so a couple of memes here and there about it. I've seen people sharing pictures from the from the series and different things like that. So I knew that it had a buzz surrounding it. I knew that the reception was pretty good, but uh, basically whenever we decided to, but, but I had kind of put it off. I was doing watching other stuff and had started some other series and stuff like that. So it was on the list, but I just hadn't delved into it yet. And so when the opportunity came to do this podcast, uh, I went on ahead and was like, okay, well, I need to go ahead and watch it now so I can uh, be a part of what we're doing tonight. And um, so, and I basically went in blind. I had no zero background of what was in this novel. So all of this was new to me. I'm not, I don't know what the, what the parallels are, the differences are in the book or anything like that. So that's just a disclaimer. I can't speak as a fan of the original source material or anything like that. So that part you won't get from me, but, uh, 
but just watching this and just as somebody who didn't know what it was and just kind of stepped in, I really appreciated this. And I do think that it was very enjoyable. It was very entertaining uh, throughout. Um, I think that, uh, you, you know, there are just moments where just uh, every element of cinema just shines in some sort of way. I think that the actors and actresses really brought it in this. I didn't really feel that there was any performance that was bad or or there wasn't really anyone that just didn't show up to this. I mean, everyone, it seems like, especially just all of your lead characters and some of the villains too, had their moments in this. I mean, and especially, and that's especially important in a narrative like this, where you have just all of these different narratives and characters and their journeys all kind of culminating to what we get at the end of this. So it's important for each of those characters to feel compelling or important in some sort of way and this is just one of those few series that was able to do that you know it was able to get you to in some way appreciate each of these characters and what the actors and actresses were bringing to the table and it's one of the few where I can say I mean sure you know I'm sure people have their favorite actor or actress from this and maybe you could say okay this person stood out or this person but honestly I think that it really, uh, uh, it was so solid that just so many people had moments and, and there wasn't, I didn't feel like ever that there was just one person who carried this. I really felt like everybody just kind of brought something different to the table. So you could probably debate for hours who you thought was the best in this, but really, I don't think it's very clear cut. And that's, and this is one of the few kind of things like this where I can say that I think with confidence, um, uh, and, and like I said, just every aspect of cinema, there are some, there are some scenes that are beautifully shot. There is some great cinematography. There's some really good special effects in this. Um, there's also just some great storytelling from a narrative standpoint and being that this is um, a narrative that is Afrocentric it's got a majority black cast it's set in 1950s Jim Crow era it, it touches on and so so anytime you have a narrative like that I think that it's important to mention that there is a lot of Afrocentric culture in this especially just you know black American culture and that dynamic and what blacks have gone through have the different ways that blacks feel about certain things uh the the the, the difficulties navigating through the Jim Crow era and, and American racism and different things like that, the attitudes that it brings about, all of that is in there, yet it mixes in with some of the more fantastical elements of sci-fi. You've got treasure hunting, you've got monsters and magic and all of that stuff. So I see what Heather was saying. There was potential for this to be 
to feel like a big mess. And maybe if you're talking to someone on the street and you're like, oh, yeah, it has all of this stuff with 1950s Jim Crow and racism and stuff like that. And then it also has magic and treasure hunts and (laughs) cult sacrificing and all of this other stuff. Oh, yeah. And by the way, it's bloody and gory as hell. Somebody might look at you like you're crazy. And say, what? (laughs) You want me to watch (laughs) something with all of that in it and it somehow works? And I'm here to tell you, it works. Uh, and, and, and that, and being able to mix such a cornucopia of things, I think, uh, that's worth complimenting alone. Uh, I think that this also, um, lends itself to the tone of this too as well it also mixes different tones and and does it in a way to where the narrative still works and that's not easy to do like there are times and i won't say anything specifically this isn't the spoiler section but there are times where this this narrative goes from being extremely serious and there are stakes and then there are times where it's funny there are times where it's sad and it's heartfelt and it's just downright to the bone, like, you know, you, you just it, it, it just there are times where you just feel angry for what these characters are going through. And then there are times where it's empowering. It's spiritual. It's religious. You know, it, it's um, it, it's you know, self-affirming and it's, uh, you, it just has all of those different things in there. And at times it will go from scene to scene, giving you a different tone, but these actors, these, the, these actresses and this narrative somehow gets it all to work. Um, and I'll definitely have some more specific things cause I took notes on just about every episode, but yeah, uh, th- this was very good. And I have to say my hat is off to all the creators, the directors and people and people that came together for this project and just being able to mix so many things and do it in such a successful manner. So bravo to them. This was very enjoyable and it, it literally does have something thing for everyone in a way well i can't say i took notes for every episode because i started watching this when it came out when we didn't have the plan to watch this for an episode so i'm doing this totally off my memories from like 12 weeks ago um because unfortunately i was not able to rewatch the series so yes if i'm a little hazy it's because i started watching this shit three months ago um but that being said, uh, I kind of just would, you know, am probably going to end up parroting you guys a lot with this. But uh, for the most part, it is, or I, I felt like it was a fantastic series. Uh, that first episode, I think, was a really good way of setting its hooks into you by showing you the racial tension that they were going to use throughout the series by. Um, and I mean, I guess this is a spoiler for that episode alone, but not for the series, just then showing you the monsters, you know, and then like having literal and figurative monsters like in this episode and, you know, just in general, like the way it set that up, like really, really, really kind of cements 
like a lot of the themes for the 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 season that that's ahead of you. But at the same time, I do kind of agree with Heather that as the series goes on, there are a little bit of disjointedness in it. There are some episodes that maybe don't go off the rails, but they take too long to have any sort of payoff in the series. I will say this. Some of the stuff actually does end up having a payoff within the season, but some of it was way too far from its original thing. And the original thing was too disjointed for me to care that much at a certain point. Uh, But I mean, overall, I do think the acting was fantastic. I, you know, I liked some of the creature designs with it. Uh, I, I, I liked, I liked the main overarching story for the most part. Uh, I did like the Lovecraftian elements it did bring into this. I did like its mix of monsters and the occult and just super crazy sci-fi elements. Like the way that it did combine all those overall, I felt like it worked and that's a very Lovecraftian thing to do. Uh, I do kind of wish I, I, I kind of wish they went a little bit more at Lovecraft with this. Because uh, if anybody knows anything about Lovecraft, the, to call this guy a racist is an understatement. Like Lovecraft was almost like the level of racism that it made other races slightly uncomfortable. Like how far his racism went. Uh, but I think that they did get some of the elements of it with, you know, they were talking about going back to Arkham, which that's the the area from which Lovecraft was from. So like by doing it with Artem and then kind of having some of the, the racist elements of that area and stuff like that, it, it almost works as a jab at him. I just wish there was more of one. Uh, and as Justin said, also, I, I haven't read this novel either. I've been thinking about reading it, but then I don't like to read. So maybe I'll get an audiobook or something. Uh, Cause I am curious as to what this is. And I do think that there is a very curious tie-in with the book in the show that we'll talk about a little bit more in spoilers that I think was incredibly interesting. Um, but for the most part, I, I did. I really enjoyed this. I was, I was the one that was pushing a lot of my pe- people I know to watch this because I was curious as to what they were going to do with this because I, I, I'm not like a gigantic i know like the ins and outs of lovecraftian horror or you know any of that stuff but i i i have read some of the stuff i have seen some of the movies based on some of the stuff i've you know i've got a vague you know interest in some of it i do there's a lot of lovecraftian stuff in D um and stuff like that so uh you know there a lot of the pop culture references back to lovecraft i do know so I was inter- in, instantly kind of intrigued with this. And I mean, it's got Michael K. Williams in it. And so sign me up. I think I've almost seen every single thing Michael K. Williams has done with HBO. I think I've seen them all because that's one of my favorite combinations of anything ever. Michael K. Williams, HBO. You're probably going to see a Sterling right there watching that shit. Just saying. Uh, but yeah. I, I think, and we'll talk more about some of the themes and stuff in a little bit, because I, I do kind of agree with what Justin was saying with a lot of that stuff, too. So we'll get deeper in that in a little bit. 
So let's go ahead, I guess, move into recommendations and scores. Is that good for you guys? Question mark? Yep. Yes. All right, Justin, recommendation and score. Yeah, I I definitely recommend it. I think that it was um it, it was definitely a nice change up from just uh things that I had been watching. Um I, I liked this. I think that um this is a good series just um not just also for the elements that in that that are in it, but also just for what it means to have something like this. I just think that narratives like this where you kind of have um people of color that are your that are your lead characters and you mix all of these other elements, these Lovecraftian elements, but you also mix it with kind of things that are and, and experiences that are more specific to that culture. Uh, and you show that, look, you can mix all of these elements and still have a compelling narrative that is fun and adventurous and can it can do all of these different things. And you can do it with a culture of color. And I just think that this is just going to what I hope that this becomes is just another one of those things in cinema that adds to that argument. We need more things like this. You know, we need narratives like this to show a different side, to show a different perspective, but then show that, look, we can mix all of these elements that we're used to seeing um, in, in other cinema mediums. And look, it can still be great. It can still be very good. And, and, and it still can go together with other things that we've seen from cinema in the past. So I feel like this is something that the quality of this is good, good enough to help that argument. And it is worth seeing. I do think that there are some unanswered questions and there are some things that I think I I would have liked to have seen them uh, be more descriptive about and expound on. And there are a few things that I uh, details that I do think get lost in the narrative. But overall, I think that they did a great job with this. It's a good enough narrative to, to keep you invested the whole time I think the meaningful messages and what this narrative is trying to say and the perspective that it tries to give you all while having a little fun and adding some of those magical elements in there it's got some very very important messages some messages that definitely coincide with just what our society is going through today and I think that some of those uh, that those messages for the most part resonate they're meaningful and um and and then also just if you're a fan of cinema and different things this just has some great acting in it it has some really solid performances it has some great camera work there's some good like heather said the 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 soundtrack is great mixing all of these different eras and genres of music from the 50s up to just modern music of today and doing it in a way that just it feels so seamless. It never feels out of place or disjointed with what's happening. And that's not always easy to do. So, yeah, I think that you should check this out. I think it's unique. It's different from just other things and other mediums that you're watching. And 
after you watch something like this and this is just kind of I guess for certain people especially like I I mean I think that if you're black there'll definitely be things in this that you'll pick up on and see and you'll appreciate and there are a lot of there's a lot of stuff here beneath the surface that I think a person of color would appreciate and if you're not I think that uh, you you will still it's not like you you have to be a person of color to enjoy this you don't but I think what would be fun is to watch this and then talk to people that you know that uh, people of color where a lot of these ideas come from the net this stuff comes from and what inspired this and I think you'd be surprised what this narrative reveals about that about different feelings that they have about what it's saying uh, in those respects so I, I just think that this not only is the kind of narrative that you'll enjoy kind of series you'll enjoy but I think that this is also something that will invite a lot of great conversations afterwards and as if you've been a fan and been listening to this podcast you know I'm all about that stuff so yeah I give it a great recommendation and as far as a score we're gonna go with um I think it's an A and I, I and I've enjoyed it a lot so I'll go just above an A we'll go 91 Jackie Robinson baseball swings to the head of racist people out of 100 <laughs> Heather what about you Nice. Um, no, I mean, I can't disagree with anything that Jason said. I think that's completely on point. Everything you said, it, it's definitely a show that I recommend. It's just it's so in its own lane and it's powerful and it's moving, but it's just interesting and entertaining. It's all of those things together. And I mean, yeah, I mean, it's even got like some historical things in it and just the importance of learning about, you know, the history of who you are and who your family is. It's just got so much in it that there's just something that you'll take away no matter what type of show you like, I feel like. So I I definitely think it's a it's a recommendation across the board. Um, You know, just, of course, be weary, as Jason said earlier, it is definitely gory and violent in that way. So if you're a little squeamish, maybe just be careful about that. But um, I, I'm one of those people where sometimes a lot of gore kind of irks me, but um, or makes me kind of wince a little bit. But it was it, it didn't take away from the greatness of everything else the show did. So um, and I kind of I feel like it it had a reason for why it was being that violent and gory. So it wasn't, it didn't feel like gratuitous or anything like that. So, and I appreciated that. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's something that you're, you're not just, you just won't come across something like this really ever again, like a show that's like this. So I, I just respect the craft and the, the, the uniqueness of what this show was. And, yeah, there's just, I mean, too many excellent performances um, and just really just the type of story it was. Like there was just, like I had said, there's just so many intricate details in the story and in the the underlying stories and the side stories. There's just very intertwined and intricate details across the board on it. And it's it's just something, there's just something for everybody. 
So definitely it's, it's a, it's something that you just need to experience and see. And that's kind of what I figured going into it. I was like, I know nothing about what's happening, but based on what I was hearing and who I was hearing it from, I was like, I bet this is really good. (laughs) And it was, it did not disappoint in any sort of way, really. So yeah, I definitely say, give it a shot for sure. I mean, and like, I, I, and I know we will discuss this further, but I just, some of these performances specifically were just so good. They were just so solid and top notch. And, um, Journey Smollett is one of them. I've always been a fan of her. I think she's amazing. And I just think she did a wonderful job. And I think that she, I I wouldn't say she carried this, but I just think that her performance really just commanded your attention anytime she was on screen. So I I was blown away by what she did um, and the others as well. I know we will talk about it. I just specifically just want to mention how much I enjoyed her performance and her character in this movie and in this show. So yeah, definitely recommended and I'm going to give it maybe just a little bit lower than Jastin's. I'm going to give it 90 um, Letty's watching a house burn down with ancestors inside of it out of 100. Yeah, for me, uh, I, I do think it was a really good show. I feel bad now that I didn't mention the soundtrack earlier too, uh, because that is it is was a really great thing in the show. I like that mix of modern and classic music when it comes to something like this. I really like the fact that they were able to blend a lot and throw a lot at you, but it never was quite overwhelming. Whether it was like the supernatural elements to the plot or the racial elements to the plot or the historical elements to the plot, they they made it work for the most part. And... I do think the, uh, the acting was spectacular. Uh, Jonathan Majors, who we did talk about also in uh, The Five Bloods, uh, was really fantastic in this. And I'm really now, especially yeah. after seeing this, I'm very curious as to see what role he's going to play in Ant-Man 3, with a lot of speculation being that he will be playing Kang the Conqueror. Hmm. Uh, for Marvel fans, he's a very big villain, and so I'm very interested in, uh, interested to see him play that. But with this show, yeah. um, it was able to sh- kind of straddle the uh, like straddle showing the gravitas of like racial issues for its time and racial themes. And that supernatural element and and really tied them together in a way that was very unique and that I think in like a less qualified situation, it might not have worked. You could tell that there was a lot of thought and a lot of planning with how they were going to blend all of that together. And in a way that like I we've all said and everything for the most part worked. And even then, and this specific part isn't necessarily a spoiler, but uh, they were also able to bring in the the Tulsa race riots into this also. There we go for HBO, educating more people again. What the fuck? Um, (laughs) I mean, it's been mentioned more on HBO than it ever was in my school curriculum. It's insane. Yeah. 
but this this was just a very interesting show to watch and like everyone else has said it's got gore galore which is always <laughs> fun in a horror thing i mean if you're gonna have big monsters and this like and and spells and witchcraft and this and that like it's i like the fact that they amped it up because they did holy shit and they did some very unique unique things with that too it wasn't I didn't feel like for the most part it was gratuitous just to be gratuitous. I think that there were a lot of elements to it that fit the themes they were going for. So it worked very well. And so with yeah. that, I am going to go a little bit lower than you guys, not by much, because I did some of the disjointedness in this did kill me. Uh, but I do recommend this wholeheartedly. Like I said, I was the one recommending it to people since the very first episode. So I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to give it 85. I'm going to give it 85 lit or figurative monsters turning into literal monsters out of a hundred. So spoilers. Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm not gonna lie. One of my favorite scenes in this was the whole like body ripping away scenes from that one episode with Ruby. Those were so fucking crazy. Yeah, they were insane. I mean, yeah, the first when it first started at the in the one episode, I was like, holy shit. But then like I like the fact that Ruby like became more comfortable with it, if you will. Yeah. And like those scenes were <laughs> this is gonna sound insane. And if you haven't seen the show and you're listening to this part, yes, this is gonna sound insane, but like that scene where she anally rapes that guy with a stiletto and she's like ripping off her skin while she's doing it. That was a fucking insane scene just all around. Yeah. Like I was just not expecting that at all. Like anything to that level. It was just, yeah, very, very crazy. Um, so, I mean, going back to what I was saying before though, with some of the inconsistencies in this and stuff, uh, I guess one of the parts that really threw me for a loop with some of this stuff was to a lesser degree, but still relevant to this was the episode based in Korea with, uh, with Atticus and, uh, what's her name? Gia, uh, the, uh, succubus. Yeah. That was very disjointed when I watched it because it really changes quickly to just being that. And yes, they did pay it off like later in the series and stuff like that. But at the time when you're watching it, especially when you're watching it and you're not binging it and you're watching week to week episodes, that is a very rough transition. And I think that is only topped by, was it the, the Hippolyta episode where she's going yeah. through time? That is incredibly disjointed when you're watching it week by week because, and well, both of those episodes are kind of on theme whenever you're getting into the Lovecraftian elements of everything. But when you're just watching a show and you get those hard turns into just other characters and you get just this weird part of backstory or side story and very little with like that directly ties at the time to the overarching narrative. I know it ties in later in the show and that's fine. But at the time, it didn't. And that creates a weird imbalance because there's only 10 episodes of this. 
it works better in like a 20 episode season or a 22 episode, like a normal season of a show that uh, works better because then it's just a filler episode type of thing. And you have those in the larger uh, seasons. But when you've got 10 episodes and you're throwing things that feel like filler episodes at the time into it, because within the episode itself, there's no tie in directly at the time to the narrative. It's weird. And like I said, I get that they pay off later. I get that they use the, the Hippolyta episode to go back to the, uh, to the, like their childhood and stuff like that, uh, to get the book and names. I get that the, the succubus from Korea comes and helps them later, but that only works when you're binging it. When you're binging it, I don't think it's as abrupt because you're so quickly on to the next one. But when you have to marinate and that's the last thing you see for another week. Yeah. It's rough. Yeah, because it was like two weeks in a row, I think, of, yeah, they were back to back, weren't they? The, yeah, they were Before either, they got back to the main story. They were either back to back or it's like the Korean episode, another one, and then the Hippolyte episode. It was, it was one of the two. And they it, were very, back to back. Okay. Six, episode six and seven. Well, see, there you go. Back to back. And especially when you're getting, you get so established into it and then you kind of veer off for a little bit and then come back. That is so weird. And like, honestly, that is one of my biggest complaints about this show is those are just such big swerves. Yeah. Cause you get like so invested in the story and what's happening on this adventure there. And then for, for two weeks, essentially it, it cuts away to, we'll come back to that later. <laughs> We're going to do this now. And you're like, but I want to know what's going on. Yeah. And yeah. And it really is. Like I said, if you're not binging it, that's two weeks of nothing essentially and, and not nothing but i'm just saying of of having that gap from that main arc and then it doesn't right. pay off for then another two weeks after that so it's just so weird with that but and the funny thing is too because like i said those were side not side stories but like background or episodes that dealt with other like the non-direct main characters story arcs in it and but when they do that same thing uh, in the episode with uh, Diana, when they do her side story episode, that one, I think they did a better job of tying it into the overarching story. For one, they had a lot of cutting back and forth between the stories because it wasn't. Yeah, it was very much adjacent to what was going on in the main arc. You know, it's in the same setting, like different parts of town, but it's still in the same setting. You know, even Ruby's episode, when they do her side story with Ruby. It's very much in, you know, it's just directly adjacent to what's going on in the main story arc because it's just the other side of town, you know, whereas the, the, the part with in, in Korea is like what, like a year ago and halfway across the world. And then the Hippolyta one is in another state and or displacement in time and universe from everything else that's going on. And I get that those are strong Lovecraftian elements, but just the way it fit in just was so jarring to me. And I say that with when two of my, two of my favorite episodes of this are the side arcs of the other two characters. Like I said, the Diana and the Ruby side arcs are two of my favorite episodes in this. Yeah, same. But those were so weird to me. And 
I, I think they just sh- should have been handled more like the Montrose character where you got his backstory and his side story and all that other stuff. There was just wrapped like it was handled throughout several episodes and you got that arc. They didn't just cut away for one episode and be like, nope, this is Montrose's story now. You got it in conjunction with everything else that was going on. And so right. that worked so much better for me than the, those those two arcs did. And I will say this, a less well-done TV series would not have made those connect in as well as this one ultimately ended up doing. I will yeah. give this show credit for that. I don't necessarily like how it always connected, but at least they did. Like, I mean, a spoiler for like the last scene of this, this episode or this, this season, Diana getting a fucking robot hand was super crazy. I don't know if I like it or not yet. I don't because <laughs> I mean, I hope they get a season two to show that maybe I'll like it more in a season two, but I just saw it a little bit. And that also does not explain her ability to be friends with that beast thing, you know, because yeah. Atticus's connection to that makes sense, but hers doesn't because the bloodline that gives Atticus that connection to it, even though he's cousins with Diana, they don't connect in that way. So that's a little weird to me, but maybe that creature thing just really loves cyborgs and that's fine too. We'll have to wait and see if we ever get to find out. Uh, I guess one of the last things I'll say with this, I I say that I'm going to come back later. I'll let you guys talk a little bit too, though. Uh, One thing I was disappointed about is whenever the cops attack the house and that monster thing shows up and thrashes the fuck out of them and then like starts charging at uh, Atticus and, and, and Letty and he stops it with his hand. And then you don't get anything else with it after that. I understand that that's where that episode ends. Cool. Totally fine with that. The next episode is just on to the next one. And they don't even mention a damn thing about it again. They, they mentioned the cover-up story that the cops were like destroyed in a gas main explosion, which that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. But you get nothing. Nobody even going, man, that was crazy that you stopped that monster. Or that you're able to summon monsters. I get that they've accepted magic at this point, but that's a whole other level of shit. And we got nothing. I was very disappointed in that. (laughs) Yeah. And finally, I, all right, this, I promise is the last thing I'll say in this section. I really loved the end of the first episode. I really loved the end of the first episode when it's just, they are confronted by, like I was saying, a figurative monster. And I mean, in a lot of ways, you could also say he was a literal monster, but when you, you, you come across this guy that's just so racist, he is a murderer and he is going to murder them. And that is what they are face to face with. And then all of a sudden, like in, in, in a lot of ways, that's the monster they're familiar with. They know that that type of monster exists. And then you get like thousand eye vampire behemoth monsters show up and ravage the fuck out of everybody. Yeah. was fucking amazing just the way they set tra- the bar like yeah the way they transitioned that to having the monster you know versus the monster you don't know and those type of elements and th- like themes and everything like that just kind of thrown at you and 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 i mean that in the best possible way because i know that sounds reckless but it's not it's just thematically was so powerful and visually utterly spectacular too that 
I just, I really love that. And that, I was intrigued with the show up until that point. I was very much intrigued. I was enjoying what I was watching. I was definitely going to watch more. But the second that happened is when I needed more, like right then. And I wasn't going to get it for another week. Because like I said, I started watching it literally the day after it first aired. Like I needed more at that exact moment. Like I was, like I said, I was going to watch more. The show already had me. I was already in it. I I was invested. I bought in. But at that point, like I said, it took it from being a show that I wanted to watch to a show I needed to watch in like the best Mm -hmm. possible way. So now it's on to one of you two. I don't care who. I always like, I know we had this like nice formula going for so long. I've abandoned that in the spoiler section. I give, I just throw it up in the air. We're going to see where it lands. As long as you get to give your spoilers, you're good. Yes. Yes. I'm like, I don't give a fuck anymore. You guys go. Mm. Go ahead, Jason. Okay. Um, So, so yeah, I guess I'll just start off by saying, yeah, I definitely agree uh, about the first episode. I think that that was, that was definitely one of my favorite episodes for that reason. That, the the way that that all came together and ended was just great and yeah the whole thing with them and just even even and, and like the way that that started with them um on the run to get across a certain boundary line before the sun goes down because when the sun goes down these racist cops are going to kill you and yeah that whole chase just was and the way that that was shot and them getting closer and closer and the time is running out and then you see the this cop closing in on them and you're you're, you're just like oh man and like they just had you in those moments and then you know they get there and then it looks like nope they're they're caught anyway and you you're just like, ah, you know, and, and just all of that, just uh, showing, like you said, just that the, the monster of racism and that, and that being a very real monster. And that's being just a very real part of what people have experienced, especially at that time in Jim Crow. And then juxtaposing that with what happened with the uh, Lovecraftian monsters that show up and everything like that. It, it was a brilliant way to start the show. So yeah, that was definitely one of my favorite episodes. So I'm with you there. Uh, but it's funny that you mentioned, but I go the other way whenever you were mentioning, um, episode six and seven and how you felt like that departure, uh, was jarring for you and stuff like that. And it's funny because I, those were two of my favorite episodes and I was like, huh, well, I guess I'm going the other way on that viewpoint. Well, Justin, uh, I, but I, I do want to ask you though, do you think it's because you watched it in a shorter time span? I'm just asking like, if I, I, that's totally fine. I'm just wondering if you think that might be a factor in it though. Uh, maybe. I mean, I guess it's hard to say. Like, I did watch it at a faster pace. I watched like two a day. So, like, I started over the, and I think there were may have been a some skip days in there. But normally, I watched about two a day. So, um, but but I guess just to so I don't know. Maybe it could have affected it. I I don't know if a week apart it would have made me feel. Di- I mean, it's just so hard to say. Just because that's 
not how I watched it. That's but fair. That's I mean, fair. I get what you're saying, but but I get what you're saying. Uh, but but the way but but how I felt about it, the those um, those turns happen at episode six and seven. So we're at the so we're at about the halfway point, and I thought that it was a nice departure from kind of what we were getting. I felt like it, it took a break from what we were normally seeing the main storyline and this is happening and we're, and we're building these layers and then we go, well, this is what happened in Korea. This is this character that, 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 um, that tick, keeps talking to and then it goes okay Hippolyta yeah you you know and I thought I felt like I guess to me it felt like more of a pleasant surprise you know I just kind of accepted that those characters that those phone calls that he was making to GI or the Hippolyta character I just kind of figured okay these are minor you know we'll get some story elements there but I just felt like the okay they're minor characters you know they'll bump in and bump out we'll get a little bit about them and and that's it that's the only focus that this show is going to give with that or so I thought so whenever it takes those departures from the main storyline and develops those characters to me it felt like I was I felt like it was a pleasant surprise I was happy to go to Korea for a little bit and see something different see something shot differently see something that I'm kind of familiar with like like and maybe that's why I enjoyed it more. I am the anime slash, you know, uh, Asian, Japanese, Korean culture. You know, I'm into that kind of stuff more than you guys are. So I appreciated the whole story in episode six with G.I. and the nine-tailed fox demon. And if you're an anime fan, you, you know uh, what Naruto is and you know I mean and so my face just kind of lit up when they said oh this is the nine-tailed um, th- that she's the nine-tailed fox demon and stuff like that it just immediately gave me vibes of that and I was like hell yeah and what was cool about this is that the cameo is more in line with just the main Korean uh, legend of that. And, and, and yeah, basically she's like a succubus uh, over here, but I like the whole um, inclusion of the whole nine tails thing. And then I just thought that that character was fascinating like this. And that's why I guess I appreciated the departure because what was done with that, that was a fascinating character to me. This character that had been summoned up, you know, by this mom because of what happened to her daughter and then this character that absorbs these souls and basically eats these people, but also um, gets takes their memories and experiences what kind of what those people experience. And then this whole idea of, you know, this crossroads of do I want to become a human? Is that anything that I want to become? Like I see these people doing these bad deeds whenever I absorb them. And and is this something I want to become? Am I capable of that? Do I even deserve that? You know, given my nature and given what I am. So I, I just... I loved that storyline and I liked kind of 
showing us that part of Tick and showing us that he was this person before and this is who he was while he was over there and and everything like that and just how it kind of ties into the dichotomy with him and the good and evil and the monk choosing to be a monster versus a hero. I just thought all of that uh came together well and I just liked seeing something different I just thought that that was very cool and it was nice to kind of uh, to me take a break from the main storyline and I think if you had done it anywhere else I think it would have felt a little more I think doing it right there in the middle you know give you the main story and then we take some turns we develop some of these other characters that you haven't seen much of and then boom we go right back to the main story for eight, nine, and 10. I I thought that that was about the best way uh, you could have done it, honestly. Uh, And with with the other episode, Hippolyta's Journey, I I loved that episode too. I, I really thought that those were some of the most, like those two episodes were like some of the most uniquely done kind of interesting episodes they did. But what I loved about Hippolyta's Journey was just all the underlying things that were kind of revealed in that just everything about her being in front of this who I'm just calling the Afro alien because I don't know what else to call her I'm not sure if the series ever if it ever named her and I didn't bother looking up in the credits so she's the Afro alien for right now but I just loved all of uh, sorry oh I was just saying that's fair like that's good okay yeah yeah, Afro alien. So that's what she is. Double A. Um, but what I loved about that, though, was just, I guess, all of the underlying things that came out of that, like the time travel and all of that stuff was cool and how it would whenever she would go to a different time or a different uh, moment or a different kind of earth or whatever there would be these numbers that would add up and you didn't understand it but it was kind of showing how all these different numbers to kind of coordinate where she was that was a that was a neat aesthetic to every single one of those scenes but just all the underlying stuff that came from that how she was like let me out of this what are you doing with me why don't you let me out of here and the afro alien just kept telling her you're not in a prison you know where do you want to be what what are you what do you want to do what are you and just this whole idea of understanding what your true freedom is and just understanding that you know sometimes there are like these mental prisons that that kind of people put themselves in or what society puts you in or especially for black people in this country you know those systemic things that sometimes you just feel like a mental prisoner but her telling her you're not in a prison what do you want to be what do you want to accomplish what do you want to do and this journey about this character understanding that this concept of naming yourself and knowing who you are and accepting that and understanding that you don't have any limitations it's things and your environment and sometimes these other things that kind of inhibit that and I love that too like how they showed how all these different things can be an inhibitor Uh, um, sometimes it's a husband 
thinking that you are to fulfill this role of a wife. And so sometimes it's family that kind of stunts your growth or keeps you small when really you're this bigger person. Sometimes it's you're just something that you think you have to be because of society or, you know, she said she had a line there. Uh, you know, I've always just been trying to be the Negro woman that they want me to be. And, and, uh, and my God, that line was so powerful. Like when she said it was like they found a smart way to lynch me, but, and I'd never noticed the noose. You know, that that was such a powerful line. And it just kind of speaks to not only systemic things, but just mental things like there's this mental captivity and and true freedom is when you find whatever it is that makes you feel free. And that was a great too, just this idea that everybody's freedom looks different. What is your freedom? And that's what you have to find. So I just loved the journey that that character took and going to all these different time periods uh, uh, and just the way that they showed that I just I just loved all of that and it was just so empowering and it was so different and suddenly a character that I just thought was a side character I I cared for her so it accomplished what it needed to accomplish in my opinion like I didn't really know or wasn't very interested in that character but then suddenly I was like hell yeah Hippolyta hell yeah so when she came back and she's interacting with everyone and she's like speaking confidently and saying this is who I am and this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to keep this portal open for you guys all of it worked so well once she got back because you understood who she was and her journey and, and and why she had to go through that. But I just thought that that was one of the more interesting um, parts of the show. And and man, I mean, I, man, it's just going to be so it's so hard to fit just all of the different things in one podcast that they had in this. I mean, there's just so much here. There was stuff about homosexuality and what the Montrose character Tick's father went through and his decision to kind of do what he did and kind of hide that, you know, it touches on that stuff. It also touches on women and just kind of the, the, the chauvinistic nature that kind of exists in some of our beliefs and how we treat women and, and stuff like that like like even this uh, uh our villain character Christina kind of had an arc with that about being the daughter of the uh, of this uh these cult ancestors and them not wanting her to be a part of the order and to be a part of the group and her trying to kind of weasel and make a way for her to kind of harness those powers and everything's like that, even though these men were kind of keeping her out of it. So there was something there with that. Even there was even kind of a story there uh, with that. And then there are all these other layers on top of that, just about, uh, a, a woman's journey and how that differs from a man's journey. And then just like, and like you said, also the Ruby episode, man, that was just such a great episode. And again, just all these underlying things like, like, uh, uh, oh my gosh, I can't even just begin to talk about how much stuff was there besides just the obvious stuff of just this 
black woman who gets to live this life for a little bit as a white woman and seeing how different she was treated and how easy things were and different things like that. But then also just arriving to the conclusion that that still really wasn't what she wanted to be and and just having to uh, come to grips with just how, uh, what living like that was, Uh, all of that was great. And then there was a line in there too, like where she was talking about how whenever the, the spell first happens and she's being ripped and torn apart and she's being opened up by Mr. Davenport at the time, who we later find out, of course, is Christina, but Mr. Davenport's ripping her apart and just ripping away at her insides and stuff like that. And then there was this line later on she and they were like you know when they were talking when she was talking to Christina I think at the time and she was like you know telling her about that experience and Ruby was like no it wasn't that it felt painful it wasn't really about the pain but it felt like I was being unmade like it felt unnatural like I was being unmade and man I can't even tell you all of the layers to that, like especially just looking at it from a black perspective, because that is often something that especially in a society that, that with just the systemic racism and stuff like that, that is kind of to me, that was almost like a literal representation of the mental kind of captivity that a lot of black people talk about and go to. That's what it is. Your culture is being unmade. You're being ripped away. You know, they w- w- that's something that's said constantly. Our culture, our, our identity, who we are is ripped away and we're trying to fit in, trying to be this thing that we are not. And that was the story of that character. Like, that's what that was, her being in this white skin and all of that stuff and understanding what would have to be compromised in order for her to live that way and understanding that, no, I want to be, you know, I want to be in my own skin. I want to be this. And then kind of this the what then when Christina kind of throws a curve in that and says no it wasn't about that it was about you being what you want to be and being able to make the choice and all of that stuff and just that freedom of choice just the power of that so I think all of that man I feel like I'm talking a lot here but I'll just kind of try to end it land like land the plane softly I guess but all of that is in here and there's just so much of that in here and for somebody like me that just enjoys all of that stuff I just could not help but just I was just enamored with all of that and I mean I was just every it just seemed like every second something like that was being said and there are just all these little great tidbits in there another empowering scene uh Sterling talked about how they mentioned like the Tulsa riots and everything like that. And whenever uh, Letitia is, she's got the book of names and the, the bombs are being dropped on Tulsa 
And when the bombs hit her, and, and of course, you know, with the context of the story, she's got invulnerability power. So that's why the bombs, so we know that with that context, that's why the bombs don't hurt her. But I can't tell you, there was just something powerful about this black woman with this book, with this, uh, with, with these powers, you know, just all of this power in her hands. She's got this book of knowledge and she's understands what she is and what she can do and what she can take. And just the, the image of this black woman, just powerfully walking through the bombs of the Tosa bombing confidently, just walking through the fire of that all the while there's this song playing, talking about where is your fire? Come get your fire and all this stuff like that. I mean, there is so much empowering stuff that I think if 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 you are black, there's just so much of that stuff that you appreciate. You know, I, I think that just the optics of that was just very powerful. And there are just so many scenes like that just scattered throughout this. There are just so many fun little uh just cookies and treats like that, that I think are spread that, that are spread all through this. Uh, but, but yeah, so yeah, I definitely just, um, really, really enjoyed this. And the last thing I'll say, just some dislikes. There are some things I wish that they had expanded on more. I, you took the words out of my mouth, Sterling, when you talked about D and the robot arm and everything like that, uh, that kind of came out of nowhere at the end. So I was kind of like, eh, I want to know more about that. Like what, what happened with that? You know, I, I wanted, uh, to know more about that. Um, uh, it, I think it also would have been nice uh, with the two sisters, uh, Letitia and Ruby. Th- they talked so much about their mom and their relationships with their mom and what happened uh, with her and how her legacy and, and, and her thought process and everything that she was and how that affected them. I, it would have been nice to have gotten a scene of that. I, it would have been nice to have seen a, a, a little bit of that or to have gone back and seen them re- interacting with their mother a little bit, you know, a little bit and kind of seeing how that relationship was the, how though their relationships with her kind of impacted them and their relationship with each other, because obviously that was all tied together. And I think there was enough narrative. There was enough banter between them for you to understand that it was significant, but it would have been cool to have seen that it would have been cool to have gone back and kind of seen, uh, that aspect of it. So that was just another thing, uh, that I wanted. And yeah, with the summoning of the monster and everything, and then that monster coming and killing all those cops and everything like that. Yeah. I agree that things would happen. And then the, the next, then we were just on to the next thing. Like, so, I mean, you just think that there would have been a backlash with all those dead cops in the era of Jim Crow. And you just feel like somebody would have been blamed for that. Somebody would have been trying to get killed for that. And, and I get that there was the one that there, there was the one sergeant officer, uh, the lead cop who was also um 
part of the magic cult and was in new magic and stuff. And he tried to go in the house and he was binded and he was like, damn, I can't get in there. You know, they kind of established that earlier. He was kind of staying away from there because he was trying to hide the magic himself. So some of it I get, but I I do feel like sometimes this would just give you an idea and then it would go away from that. And it never really, I don't know. I feel like that all wasn't realized. I feel like there just would have been a backlash there after all those cops died. And I don't know if that ever happened or it ever felt like there was, they felt any effects from that. So that was somewhat weird uh, also, but, uh, but yeah, but for the most part, I really enjoyed this and I don't know if a season two has been green lit or not, but hopefully some of these things that they didn't expand on, uh, and, and just like the time travel and the different earths and stuff like that. Or like I said, the Afro alien, who was that? Who is that person? Why can she, <laughs> take you know take make tell a person okay just imagine what you are and you can go to all these different earths and earth 504 and all this stuff well she's in earth 517 or something why is she you know i get what she was there for and i get the the journey that we had hippolyta go on but who was that person so I, I want to know who that person is. I want to know more about the Afro alien. So, yeah, there were just elements like that that they didn't develop. So there were some underdeveloped characters, some underdeveloped concepts. Uh, and maybe some of that is just my ignorance to the whole Lovecraft thing. But, yeah, there were definitely some elements that I just wanted to see uh, more. of. But, yeah, I just but but again, I just last thing I'll say, I just can't speak enough about all of the subtext and just underlying tones and things that this has in it. Very, very empowering stuff. Heather, what about you? Yeah, it is interesting that, yeah, the with Letty and Ruby, I feel like they're the only ones who didn't really get, like, a lot of backstory shown or, like, you know what I mean? How they did, like, flashbacks or one-off episodes of these other characters. That is interesting that they didn't do that for them, especially with yeah. a lot of their past that they talked about in it, you know? But, yeah, I'm not sure why they didn't do that. If they do a second season, I wonder if they'll go more into that. But, um I mean, the first thing that I want to say, and just because I feel like it needs to be said, <laughs> and there's so much in this show, like there's so much to unpack. So yeah, but um, one of my absolute favorite things that they did in the show is Topsy and Bopsy, the little demon girls following Diana around. I loved it. I thought that was one of the most interesting things they did in the show because they were haunting and they were creepy and they were evil and they were just so like there was something about their presence in that episode that I loved like I just loved how they just kind of the the symbolism of those girls and just also like how you know they there were never until later on they, they weren't even like touching her they weren't even in like super close proximity to her and they were just consuming her you know, and it was just so well done. And I just, I just loved, I loved the Topsy and Bopsy characters and like just watching them dance around being all like evil and like whatever they were doing. It was just so captivating. 
when they were there. So I loved that whole idea of, of what they did with that. And, and, um, yeah, it was just, it was so good, but, um, I, I do want to just like, I wanted to talk a little bit just about the, the dynamics of the characters and why I, I liked them so much because you get, you get so much from each one. Like every character that's kind of like a main character is very fleshed out. Um, like especially Jonathan Major's character, um, Tick, I feel like he's, he's so intense. Like his character, if I could describe him in one word is intense, but his character kind of calls for that. Like you kind of, you have to have him be that way. I mean, he's trying to be like this strong leader for, for everybody. And he's also trying to deal with demons of his past and trying to like, he just, he has such a strong arc throughout the show of, the person he was and who he became and how he kind of became hardened in some ways, but also more understanding in some ways. And I just really loved what they did with his character and like just in general, him and Letty's relationship, I think is just really great. Um, but I, I just really, they, they had really good chemistry and it's just one of those where with tick, you, you feel this burden that, that, you know, he has, with everything going on, this burden that, you know, he feels of, I am going to die. Like I have no choice. This is going to happen. There's no way out of it as much as we're trying. You feel like he knows that that is looming over him this entire time, as much as he doesn't want it to be true. And it's just, it's incredible how you really just feel that burden that he's carrying the entire show pretty much. And, um, it was just so, so powerful to kind of see that, you know? Um, and then I really liked Ruby and Letty, just their sister dynamic felt very real and authentic. And you, you felt like they really could have been sisters, just their bickering and they're arguing back and forth. But then at the end of the day, they are there for each other and they support each other no matter what. And I just thought that was really well done. And Ruby is, she's probably one of the standout characters in this for me. Ruby was amazing. Just everything that she did, like her, her arc is really strong too. And even her, her dynamic with Christina, like there was such a like love hate thing there that was interesting and mysterious because you never quite know which it is. <laughs> like, do you just hate each other or do you love each other? And even, you know, even to the point where the episode where um, Ruby tells Christina about how that little boy was murdered, you know, and just kind of describing to her the details of this kid that was that was killed um, because of his race and everything. And the fact that Christina in that episode, she pays these guys to kill her and do all of those things that the that the kid went through to her just so that she could actually have that understanding of what that felt like because she didn't feel anything. She was a character that never felt anything for anybody, you know, and just, it was just interesting to me that she chose to do that. Like she chose to be like, you know what? I haven't experienced that. And maybe I need to, to kind of understand where she's coming from. And just the fact that she would go through that, I, at least for me, I kind of got from it that, she does have some level of care for Ruby for real to, to be willing to go through that experience that she had never 
even probably thought of being an experience before. And, you know, and just Ruby's, just her hesitation when she talks to her of like, she wants to be really pissed off at her, but then immediately changes to like being very understanding. Like it just, their dynamic was so mysterious and it was super interesting because the entire time you're like, are you going to kill each other? Like, (laughs) or are you going to like be allies and actually try to like, you know, kill tick together. Like you just don't know what their plan is and what their relationship fully is. Um, and I thought that that was really an interesting way to go with that. So, um, yeah, I just, and I think that Christina, like her, um, Abby, I think her name is Abby Lee. She was phenomenal too. Um, and I hadn't really seen her in anything else except for she was one of the wives in Mad Max Fury Road. Um, but other than that, I haven't seen her in anything. And so she just really kind of stepped up her game here and she just really was so stand out. Like there's all of these, these actors in this show that I, I feel like they're not super well known, some of them, and they were just like, the performances they gave were so dead on and just very much in line with the people in this show that have been acting for years, you know, and I just love how consistent everybody's performances were even diana the the daughter she was fantastic i think she did a really great job and i am a little interested too to know a little bit more about what is she going to become in the next season if they do a next season and i i just feel like it was such an odd but kind of cool note i guess to end it on with her kind of being the last scene of everything she was like not even with her family. Everybody else was just like already on their way back home. And she was just there at the, the site of everything still. So I'm not sure if she was like planning to not go back home with them. I don't know what that was about. But um, yeah, so I just I feel like there's so many really great dynamics in this show. And then I, I, I think I lean a little bit more on Sterling's side with the whole the Hippolyta episode and the, um, the, the episode in Korea because I, I think I, I watched it in the same way that you did, Sterling, where it was I was watching it every week after the first few weeks. And it just felt like so long in between going back to like the main story arc where I was like, I want to know what is going to happen here. And you have to wait so many weeks to get back into it. If you're not watching it in like a binge situation, they were very interesting one-off episodes, but I, I do think that they could have organized the episodes or how they were telling this story intertwined with the rest of it in a different way. Kind of like, like you guys were saying with Diana's where it was like, there was cutting back and forth enough to where you feel like you were still seeing what was going on. Like, Hey, meanwhile, this is happening you didn't really get that with these. So essentially they're like flashback or flash forward type of episodes. And some shows do them super well and they really integrate it very well. Some don't do it so well. I think this leaned a little bit more on the not as great side of how to do it. But again, it didn't take away from the overall greatness of the show. Um, I also think it would have been cool to see what Atticus saw when he went through the little portal, like they did a whole episode on Hippolyta, which definitely does play a part later on. But I think it would have been interesting to see what Tick saw because 
you know, he apparently saw his son and all of this. And I just think that that would have been another cool episode they could have done, you know, on the essentially main uh, protagonist of the story. So um, I don't know if they would do kind of like a flashback to what happened if they did another season. But I just think it would have been interesting to see what he saw in his time in that little portal of time jumping. But yeah, I, I just think that it, it it kind of, it doesn't lose its way, but it just, in, in those couple of episodes, I feel like it, um, it, it kind of jumped away for too long in that, in that setting. But when it came back to it, it went full force back into it. And that was fantastic. It was really great. Um, I really wanted to see more of Atticus with the monster, um, especially at the end and that end scene. I really thought something was going to happen where Atticus was like controlling this monster and making them, making the monster kill, you know, Christina or somebody. And that didn't happen. And that's kind of a bummer because I just feel like there was potential to do more with, with that. But overall, I think, I, I just think that the way everything played out made sense in the end game of it all. Um, kind of a few ways that they got there. It, it kind of took some detours that were unexpected and maybe not necessarily needed, but they did add some interesting things to it. And I do love how well the story about um, Tick and the other girl in Korea really did pay off in the last episode where She's the one who's able to, you know, kind of make their plan happen. <laughs> so it was just really, really well done. And I do agree. I think that that scene, Jasmine, you were talking about with Letty walking through the fire with the book was a super awesome scene. Like it looked amazing. My only issue with it is I'm like, they were on such a time crunch to try and get that book before that portal closed. <laughs> and she's just like taking her sweet time getting there. That's the only issue that I had with it. I'm like, you don't have much time. This portal is going to close. Like, just hurry up and go. But that was my only issue with that. Um, but I understand, like, for the effect of that powerful moment, they needed to do that. But it was just kind of funny. So, um, but yeah, I just, there's not really a whole lot I can add that hasn't been said about how complex and deep this show is. And that is why it's so good. It's because there's so many layers and everybody's going to probably get something different out of it or they're going to have something that relates to them more than something else might or something that they like an element that they enjoyed that might be different than what somebody else enjoyed. And it's just a show literally for everybody on a very like profound level. So, yeah, I just it's fantastic. I am glad you brought that up, Heather, with that scene with Letty, because that's actually what I was going to bring up now is that's one of those unique scenes that kind of really shows how something can work on a thematic level and a cinematic level, but on a narrative level, level it makes no sense because <laughs> you're absolutely right. They are on a huge time crunch, and she has like a negative sense of urgency. Like with the whole scene of like the house getting burned down and she like stands there with that woman on fire the whole time and just walks mm -hmm. at the most slowest of paces 
in the world to get back to that portal. So narratively, it makes <laughs> right. no sense. But, but like as Justin was saying, like thematically and cinematically, it's an amazing scene. Like, and it's one of those things. Like, are do you are you willing to accept that trade off? And I think at least in this case, it does work. And you yeah. are more likely to accept the trade off of it working in the sense of how you're viewing it and just accepting the fact that narratively that's the worst decision in the world to do. <laughs> um, well, and to be fair, they slowed that down. I mean, it was, it was oh, also yeah, yeah, yeah. going yes. in slow motion. Yes. So like she's walking and the pace that she was, she wasn't just like, <laughs> I don't want this to be misconstrued. Like she was just on a casual stroll. I mean, she had the book cuffed with both hands and you know, she she's on was, a mission, you know, she was walking with intent and purpose. It wasn't like, a slow casual walk in the park and then they slowed it down even more it was a slow motion camera the bombs are exploding and she's walking with this you know she's pacing with this look of determination but I didn't get the sense that it was a casual walk I just felt like she was walking with purpose you know but Uh, they had established (laughs) her as a track star runner like super fast she had already showed track skills running. Why wouldn't she just do right. that then? That's my point. Like even slow and motion to run or something. But no, the thing is, I wouldn't trade that scene. Like that scene has to be there because it's an amazing scene. But I, well, I agree. I'm just kind of like, come on. <laughs> I don't think she was aware. I mean, she, she didn't know that the portal was closing or that um Hippolyta was struggling to to leave it open or anything. You know, we knew that, but she didn't. And I don't know. I haven't walked through an explosion. I don't know how much that would slow you down or how much that would, you know, inhibit the run or whatever it was. Or maybe it was just the idea that she's invulnerable. So, yeah, I'm going to walk this shit. Yeah, we got this book. I don't know, but <laughs> that's fair. Um, that's fair. But I mean, but could I'm she, she have ran? Tried. Yes, but I don't know. I don't, it just it, it just feels like a minor detail. Like, could she have ran? Sure, but eh, she was walking. You know, before they slowed it down, I didn't get the sense that she was walking slow. I think the slow motion maybe adds to that, but it was slow motion. I don't think that it wasn't the actual speed. So, well, and, and, and I get that. I get that it's slow motion, but like in general, her pacing was slow when, like I said, they had established in like the first or second episode of this show. She was like a track star runner. She's fast. She got it. And you're absolutely right, Justin. We don't know what it's like to run through an explosion with invulnerability. We don't know that, <laughs> but she could try. And I mean, I'm just throwing <laughs> this out here. Anytime somebody's holding a portal open for me, I'm going to try to go as quick as possible because portals are, <laughs> are, are tricky business or I'm trying to shoot me in the street. You know, no, I get that. But it's yeah. And I think it, it also could have been the element of like also the brilliance of the storytelling in that moment. They built that that moment up and it's just so intense because like. For me, I'm sitting on the edge of my seat like, come on, come on. You got to make it. You got to make it. You're almost there. And it could have been that adrenaline of like, I'm ready for them to just be out of this 
portal to get back so that they're safe. And so it could have also been that adrenaline along with it being like, why are you walking so slow? You know? And I mean, to me also on top of it, like Montrose and tick had more of a sense of urgency to get back there before they knew the portal was closing too. So to me, that's what sets up that there should be urgency that she should know that there should be urgency because they were more urgent than she was. And maybe it is because they are not invulnerable and they are in the middle of the Tulsa race riots. But I just, that that's a weird juxtaposition. Like I said, that's why narratively to me, it doesn't make sense, but thematically and cinematically and like all the points you talked about with how powerful it was and everything like that. I completely agree with and the scene works because of that. The trade-off is worth it for sure. Yeah. Yes. Oh, um, I thought, okay. I thought that was, I thought there was more coming. Um, okay. Uh, cool. But yeah, I just, I, I don't, I, I just, uh, I guess I just focused more on the, the meaning of the moment and just the pace of her walk, but I get it. I, I get it. Um, well, another thing I want to bring up that, that Heather brought up was the, the was the top scene, Bob scene, uh, scenes from Diana's episode. Uh, and I thought that was an incredibly ingenious way of bringing up something like a topsy from Uncle Tom's cabin into this story and into to just the narrative in general, because the character of topsy while in the book does essentially get a redemption or whatever, but the character for a portion of the, for the larger portion of her story in that book, which isn't even that big. She is, she calls herself wicked and all this other stuff. And for a long time in, in our history and, and a lot of people don't realize this, the character of Topsy then became a caricature and stereotype, especially against little black girls that, in general, for a lot of white people, they would look at little black girls and view them essentially as what Topsy was for a big portion of her her story. She's mischievous mm-hmm. and yeah. unafraid of consequences and, you know, and just bad or wicked, to use her own words from the story. And so I thought that was an incredibly interesting way to right. do those characters of playing into that stereotype in, in, in a way that they weren't actually like being negative towards like little black girls, but in a way to show that as that's what the fear was. And, and in a way also just doing it like the way they just in general decided to do the, all those scenes with the way they were dancing and being slightly mischievous with the way they would look and come around the corners and always be there and I loved the idea of them being that unrelenting supernatural force. Yeah, cat, don't knock over things. Anyway, sorry. Uh, being that like unrelenting force and being supernatural, but not also in a way not being magical about it. Like it wasn't everywhere she turned, they were just there. She could get away from them, but because they were unrelenting, they would ultimately get to her no matter how far she went away. Yeah. It wasn't instantaneous because those little, the, the little monsters were like, were dancing and moving and walking their way toward her. 
So it would take them time. And, but I just, I love that stuff. Like that's one reason why I love the movie. It follows is it's the same way. Mm. It's it'll get to you. It's not magical and instantaneous, but it's unrelenting. It will find you. And I loved that aspect of it. That no matter yeah, where she would, really she'd brilliant. jump on her bike. Yeah. She'd jump on her bike and she'd get away. She, you know, she'd get so far away from them. And then like two hours later, bam, they're there. And I loved yeah. it. And and then, and then for her to turn into one, you know. Yeah. And, but, but also the acting of that girl, though, of just being the only one seeing them and all that other stuff, I yep. thought was fantastic. She was so good. Mm. And I loved it. And um, I was just going to add, because I was glad that Heather brought them up, because I think that, too, just some of the underlying things, that's also just a great commentary on how a lot of stereotypes are for people of color or just anybody who uh, can relate to being stereotyped in some way or labeled in some way. That's what it's like. You know, these labels and these things and these negative views that a certain people have of you, it's like those two girls. It stalks you. It's always there. You can see them. But yep. a lot of times the people around you can't even see them and they're, you know, they can't see it as well as you can because it's you who is affected by it. And it's you that are constantly trying to get away from those things, constantly trying to say, look, that is not me. I am not this. This is not uh, who I am or what we are, or what we represent. But they follow you and they're just seemingly everywhere you're always dealing with them but if they take over if they get a part of you they will kill you if they consume you if you let those things uh if if you let those things take uh control of your life if those things become what you are it will ultimately destroy you so i thought that that was just a great commentary on that you know yeah, and her, like, slowly turning into one of them, you know, like, her yeah. arm was getting all diseased, and then, like, you see physically she's she starts to look like them, you know? And, yeah, so I think that it's an incredible symbolism that they do in it. Well, then there's also the great subtext of when she's on the train platform and she sees them and she turns to, like, a white guy and asks, do you see that? And the, yes. the way the white guy looks at her yeah. is it, you realize he's looking at her like she's one of the things she's seeing. Exactly. Yeah. And that's just a great that's, little subtextual moment in that scene. Mm-hmm. That's exactly honestly, what that was. Yeah. And honestly, like when I I'll be honest, like when I think of Lovecraft Country, like that is probably one of the most memorable scenes, at least for me is when she sees those little girls coming up from those little dark stairwell, that dark stairwell for the first time, that is a super memorable moment, honestly. Because, I mean, it, it just, it draws you in and you're like, you're looking with her. You're just like, what is that? And then you see it and you're like, what is about to happen? It's it's really, it kind of stays with you. I mean, it's it's very haunting in that way and they just did it so well. Outside outside of the first episode, that is my favorite episode of the show. Yeah, it's definitely one of mine, too. Because 
to me, the way they filmed that and the way they filmed those characters and the way they would set up shots and you would just see them in the background and they're not even the focus of the scene. Diana's the focus of the scene, but you see them in the distance, like blurred out, you know, from being out of focus. I love that shit. I just absolutely love it. Yeah. And it was really good. Yeah. It's just to me, the way just everything about it thematically, like the way they filmed it narratively, I just, to me, it was one of my, it was my like favorite episode outside the first one. And it's just, it's so fucking wonderful to me. Yeah. Um, no, I, one thing I wanted to talk to you guys about is uh, it's a slight divergence from this TV series, but still on theme with it. And it's just like, how much do you guys like, how much exposure do you guys have to anything Lovecraftian? Like, we'll start with you, Heather. Do you have any experience with, with Lovecraft? Honestly, no, because I mean, I, I know the name, I know that, but I, I'm not familiar. And so that's why going in, I didn't fully know what to expect, which, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm very, I was very limited on, on my knowledge and experience with Lovecraft. What about you, Justin? Uh, yeah, just kind of like what I was saying, um, at the beginning, I had zero knowledge of the, of the novel, um, or, um, really anything that comes from this. So yeah, I was totally, uh, coming in with no prior experience. And if I have seen something of it or have seen things inspired by it, then, and uh, then I probably wasn't aware of it even then. So yeah, I, I don't really have much experience with this whatsoever. Well, I mean, I was actually really surprised, Justin. I really thought you would have had one of these with, was it the Call of Cthulhu from uh, Metallica? Like, that's a reference back to Lovecraft. Because Cthulhu, like, and that's not technically how to say it. It's just one of those things, and I will give Lovecraft credit for this. He was insanely ingenious with the fact that Cthulhu is, like, one of those things where nobody actually can say his real name because it's some ancient demon god language that like human vocal cords literally cannot uh, make the correct sounds to say his name, but it's more or less been co-opted as Cthulhu. And I feel like a lot of people know Cthulhu, though, you know, tentacle, big demon winged god thing. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, I do. I I know that that I know that thing is familiar to me, but I guess I like I said I just didn't know that that's where that that's where it came from. I just never delved into the lore of it or anything like that. So yeah, I just was completely unaware. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Definitely makes me curious. Yeah, I mean, and I there's a lot of like the Simpsons have used it. I mean, Cthulhu is a very popular uh, creature in, 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 in pop culture and stuff like that. And, uh, one thing I will, I, I want to tell people is there is a very underrated movie, uh, from back in the day. That's very Lovecraftian and takes some elements directly from, uh, a, a Lovecraft story itself. It's in the mouth of madness with Sam Neill, uh, I think it's a very underrated movie, but it's 
it very much is a ripoff of Lovecraft uh, and a Lovecraft story. And I would just suggest people check that out. But uh, yeah, that's, that's a lot of people's point of reference when it comes to Lovecraft is Cthulhu. Like that's the big one because, you know, mm. and it's like Cthulhu has been kind of co-opted into being something that connects all things Lovecraftian, if you will. Like it's, it, he's, he's like the, not necessarily the center point, but he's the most famous figure directly related to Lovecraft. So that's just why I was asking if you guys even like had any point of reference with that. And that's one of the intriguing things with that, with the story is you would think him being the most popular of the Lovecraftian monsters that they would have referenced him, done something with him. I honestly thought we were going to get an appearance from him in the final episode when they were doing all those things, you know, when they were summoning that black, like smoke magicness, I thought they might at least like form the shape of Cthulhu or something in there. And I, I, I actually appreciate though that they didn't go there because that's honestly the cheapest and easiest way to reference Lovecraft is to just throw Cthulhu in there. You can be like, Oh Mm. yep. Look at how Lovecraftian it is. That happens so much. (laughs) They're just like, Oh look, there's a Cthulhu like thing. It's so Lovecraftian when there's so much, there's so many more elements to Lovecraft. I mean, he really was just like, it's horror or that crazy sci-fi from like the early 1900s, late 1800s where it's always just like, Oh, a guy ends up on Mars. And I like they do reference something that it, while not being Lovecraftian is very much in the theme of Lovecraftian, which is John Carter of Mars, where Civil War soldier just ends up on Mars and helps fight the Civil War there. That type of old sci fi, you know, where it's just a person's just somewhere else, you know, and it's space and just random technology and shit like that. And that's where you do get uh, the AA like Justin's talking about now, while Lovecraft would have never wrote a character directly like the AA because, well, he was a gigantic racist, but it's still that type of thing. Like Hippolyta's story is probably the most Lovecraftian of all of the elements in this series, because it's very much just random person. Now interdimensional time hopper. Like that is a very much Lovecraftian sci-fi element, but it is what it is. And I mean, I'm not like a huge Lovecraftian scholar or anything like that. I've just, I've read some Lovecraft stuff. I I know his influences in like D and D and other things. And outside of that, like, yeah, it is what it is. So any other thoughts, those guys back to the series or anything like that? Do you guys want a season two? Definitely. Cause I mean, there's just so much to like, I mean, it's even hard to do just one episode on the show because there is so much to unpack and there's so many things that we probably didn't even really get to because there's so much there. Um, And I mean, we've seen that before where shows do that and you're just like, they don't tie up the loose ends, you know, they don't, they're just like put elements in there and then just, yeah, do nothing else with them. And for the most part, this show was really good about, you know, being intentional with everything that it did bring up or put in the show. And 
a season two, I just think would be great. I mean, there's just so much more to explore about the characters or like their backstories or just specific elements that I just think a season two would be really satisfying for those who liked this this first season. I mean, that is a great point that there's still a lot we didn't cover because did anybody even bring up Courtney B. Vance? No, but he definitely should have been in more episodes because he's great. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Courtney B. Vance was amazing in this. Uh, anything else from you, Justin? Uh, no, uh, just to say, do I want a season two? Yeah, um, I think that I would love to see a season two. I think there's definitely room for them to uh, expound on some of the the things that like just some unanswered questions uh i think there are some places avenues that they could go with the narrative and we could see what happens to some of the characters in the aftermath of this and are some people really dead or is you you know it would be interesting to see where the show would go to a second season and um and, and just again i just can't stress enough just how important Important something like this is. I really hope that I, I don't know what would, I guess, how this would be considered a success. I guess just how many people view it or how many people, I, I mean, I, I don't know how they chart the the success of this or how many max subscriptions it, it you know are <laughs> would a survey have to be taken and them determine how many max subscriptions i don't know how you determine how successful something like this is but i would think that just with the memes i've seen or with the word of mouth or and all of that kind of stuff i would hope that it has garnered enough success maybe it'll win some awards come awards time for emmys and stuff i i would like to see another one of these and it's important that there is something like this there's more material like this even if it's not lovecraft country season two there just needs to be more narratives like this this is just the kind of narrative that adds to that argument that look you can have you can have other characters of color and they can be main characters and it can be about what they've gone through culturally. It, it can have a, a, a cultural voice of a different race, but you can still mix all of those fun elements like, you know, treasure hunting and Indiana Jones Goonies type stuff in the one episode. And you can have sci-fi stuff and you can have all of these different elements and yet it tie into what this culture has gone through, some things that are kind of special to this culture. And it can still be fun. It can still be imaginative and it can still be successful. And this is just another one of those things that adds to that argument. This, you know, we need more things like Lovecraft Country. We need more Black Panthers. We need more parasites. We need all and countless other things that come out and say, look, it can be from something else it can be from these minority cultures it can be grounded in that but it can still have all these elements and it can still be successful and it can still be fun and it can still have meaningful messages that anybody can relate to so it's important for things like this to be out. It's important for things like this to continue to be released. And I hope that this has success because if it does, we will see more things like that. So, yeah, 
definitely uh, has my vote to get a season two. Well, there's a very simple reason why this has not been renewed for a season two yet. That it has nothing to do with uh, popularity or anything like that. Um, it has everything to do with this was meant to be a one season miniseries. Oh, okay. And that's just what it was meant to be. So in the contract for it, there wasn't the option to automatically renew it and just keep everybody going and everything like that. It was meant to be a miniseries, but because of how popular it was and is and everything like that, HBO and Misha Green are trying to get a season two going. They're, they're in negotiations for it. It just oh, was okay. never originally meant to be one. And that's why it wasn't just renewed because technically they couldn't just renew it. You know, it was meant to be something like Watchmen. It was meant to be a one, uh, like essentially season-esque thing. That's just a miniseries. And that's it. This was all it was meant to be. And, but because of how popular it was and how good it's done and everything like that, they want a season two. They want more of it. They're just working on it. So we might still get one. It's just, you know, the finer points of the business. And so if we don't ultimately end up getting one, at least it's good that this was meant to be what they originally set out to do. At least they still got that option. Um, but uh, Misha Green is hopeful to get a second season on it. Like like uh, she said, that she is in talks with HBO to do another one just because of what it was and how uh, important and popular and everything like that it was with people. Like, you know, she sees the importance and so does HBO to... Like, if they can continue this, you know, and that's good. That's a plus thing. I do want to bring up one more thing, though, that uh, from Misha Green, because um, she's apparently just a very huge horror fan and everything like that. But she was talking about how she wants to do a seven season arc of Stephen King's It. And that was the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> It would probably be awesome, but it would probably yeah. kill me <laughs> because even if you did seven HBO seasons, which means it's just 70 episodes, that would kill me. That's 70 hours of it. I couldn't handle the five hours that that two part movie ended up being. Oh, you said seven seasons. Seven I was thinking seven seasons. episodes. I could maybe handle a seven episode one, you know, because you could get maybe focus on individual characters differently and stuff like that. I could maybe handle that depending on who was doing it. Maybe. And that's a huge, maybe because that's still two hours longer than what I got in two parts, uh, like a two part movie thing. But I mean, and I get it. It's a very, it, it's a huge book. And that's why there is so much in that book that even this five hour movie left out, you know, and that's why she would want she wants to do a long form version of it because she wants to make it like scene for scene the book. But on top of that, though, she said seven seasons. <laughs> that's a minimum of 70 hours. I would watch the first hour and go, there are 69 more of these and just blow my fucking brains out. I just I don't know. That is just one of the most preposterous things I've ever heard in my life. 70 hours of it. <laughs> Ooh, I just, I just, who thinks of that? Who, like, who says that? Who says that out loud? I don't know. I, do, I just can't comprehend 
that a human being would just ever say out loud, I need 70 hours of this. But I mean, if anyone's going to be able to make it interesting, it's going to be Misha Green. Because, I mean, look at Lovecraft, you know? Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Maybe. It's still 70 hours. (laughs) I don't think there's 70 hours of anything I ever want in my life. I mean, (laughs) I have probably watched. I mean, I know I have. I know I've watched more than 70 hours of like supernatural because I am in the middle of catching up on supernatural because it's final seat. Uh, final episode is next week and it's 15 seasons long. You know, I'd watched 12 of them and then kind of wasn't able to watch it. So I just stopped watching. And so I was like, you know, I need to finish this and it's 15 seasons. So I've watched more than 70 hours of supernatural and I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of thinking, why was there ever more than 70 hours of this made? <laughs> I mean, I've watched more than 70 hours of Star Trek in my life. I can't tell you that that's justified. I've watched more than 70 hours of X-Files in my life. I can't tell you that's justified either. The only thing I will ever tell you is justified is I have wa- there is more than 70 hours of the original Law and Order. I think that is the only thing in the world that justifies having over 70 hours of it existing. Because <laughs> holy fuck. 70 hours of it that guys i don't i don't know if i'm breaking this down right but that is 14 times the amount of it part one and part two (laughs) 14 times of it and you had a lot of trouble with that second one yeah and so if you really break that down over seven seasons that'd be like the first three seasons being the first movie that's 30 hours of the first movie and then 40 hours of the second movie. I couldn't take three of it. And she wants 40. I feel like that's a personal (laughs) attack against me. I feel like she listened to that episode and went fuck Sterling 40 hours of the second movie. Probably. She probably did that. It hurts Misha. It hurts. (laughs) I'm hoping that was taken out of context. I'm hoping she's just said seven episodes and the reporters like said seven seasons. I'm hoping that's that's shitty reporting, honestly. But alas, all I've seen is it say seven seasons. Man, now I'm upset with the world. Why did I bring that up? <laughs> Stupid Sterling. I'm I'm fucking distraught right now. I'm having heart palpitations just thinking about it. Can we move on? Please. Yes. <laughs> like I'm not the one that brought it up. Uh, <laughs> is there anything else you guys want to talk about on this one? No, I think we covered a lot. No, sir. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. We are on Facebook at Cinema Slayers podcast. We are on Twitter and Instagram at cinema underscore slayers. And if you get a chance, guys, it'd be really awesome if you could leave us, you know, a five-star rating and a review on your preferred podcast listening uh, apparatus, especially iTunes, because that's the one that counts more than anything. And just because once again, and I have heard rumors that Spotify doesn't allow you to leave podcast reviews, and that might be why our fan Kurt can't leave a review for us. But I think that that's just an excuse. And since I still have no record of a review from kurt giving us five stars fuck you kurt (laughs) every episode kurt until you give us a five-star review fuck you kurt 
And on that note, guys, remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is a Best Picture winner. I wanted to speak the language of Adam, but I don't know any of it. So, and it's not on my Rosetta Stone either. So, sorry, (laughs) set of fans. Your Rosetta Stone. Did we even mention that Atticus died at the end of it? Nope. <laughs> Some spoilers no, were not spoiled. Yeah, so we went the whole episode and didn't even talk about that essentially the main character died <laughs> at the end of the season. Oh, we are. Hope everyone listened to this part. <laughs> yeah, we're a funny bunch. We will focus on some of this other <laughs> shit. Main character dies. Doesn't even deserve a mention. Oh, us. Love you, Tick. Thanks, Tick. Thanks for your sacrifice, Tick.